0: We're back on the writing train again today, and this is an interview of one of the most prolific and well regarded writers, which is Tim Urban of Wait But Why. We featured him before on Quality versus Consistency, which is one of our earliest episodes. You can check in the show notes. But also, I think he has very interesting framing around first principles and how he applies it to his own writing. Uh, so tell us about your relationship with The Fountainhead. I think this yeah. is going to be, I'm really, I've been really you know, to hear you talk about it. Until today, Neil, I never once realized that. I like the Stinky Cheese Man and the Fountainhead for the same reason. But it's hitting me that it's the same lesson I learned in both. Just one is a fifth grader, one is older. The, the Stinky Cheese Man, I learned about reasoning from first principles because the author of the book did it in writing the book. And in the Fountainhead, I learned about it because the characters, the characters in the book um, exemplify this concept. So it's for different reasons, but... Um, so. It, and Rand and- So and open that up for me, I, I, so I can follow that that principle? Yeah, so the, the reasoning from first yeah. principles? No, no, just what's the comparison between the Stinky Cheese Man so the, and- So the, the Stinky Cheese Man taught me about reasoning from first principles because the author clearly did it by doing all this stuff you're not supposed to do. And Rand wrote about a character who's great uh, at reasoning right. from first principles. So I learned from the character and I learned from the author of the other book. But it's the same lesson, actually. Um and, and this lesson, by the way, is everywhere. If you look at your iPhone, the reasoning from first principles versus reasoning from analogy, there's the lesson. I mean, what, what, when when Apple created the phone, did they say, well, where should the keyboard be? You know, it should be really apple keyboard. Let's make it really sleek. No, they said, what should a mobile device be? And they didn't care if conventional wisdom said you have to have a keyboard. They just reasoned from first principles. And they started puzzling their way upwards to their conclusion. And by the time they got there and to, to their answer, there was no keyboard at all. Everyone said, you can't do that, you can't do that, you have to have a keyboard. And now, what every single smartphone copied them, right? I mean, so this this lesson is everywhere. Basically, everything you see that, you know, every disruption of an industry, there's someone reasoning from first principles. And every um, every breakout new artist, um, then there's a lot of kind of new sound, a yeah. new chef with a new cuisine. Exactly, and actually, yeah. in, I've written about this in the context of Elon Musk, who I think, you know, People say, what is his secret sauce? Why is this guy able to do all the stuff he can do? And in my opinion, yeah, sure, he's smart. He's rich. He's influential. He's hardworking. But a lot of people are those things. If that was all he was, he would be, be more Elon Musk's. To me, it's that he's, he and Steve Jobs and many others are exceptional reason, you know, reasoners from first principles. And so what I, I, I term this the cook and the chef. So people use these terms interchangeably, but the way I use them is a chef, let's say, writes recipes. So, so the first principles of a chef of an original chef are ingredients. So raw ingredients and they will mess around, make a bunch of bad stuff, willing to fail a lot. But ends up somehow, you know, once in a while creating something good and it's almost going to be definitely new and original because it wasn't following any recipe, he was just doing it. Then that thing becomes a recipe. And all the, sh- the what I'm calling cooks in the world, people who reason by analogy, will just follow that recipe. The recipe becomes their re- the recipe becomes their bible. Um, and they will follow it. And um, without really thinking about it necessarily. And they won't have the confidence to think they could create something new. Only brilliant chefs can do that. But actually this chef was trying a bunch of stuff, like a, almost like a kid, just like playing with ingredients and eventually hit on something. So I'd like to think of this as the cook and the chef. The chef is the original and the cook follows the chef's recipes, right? And so Steve Jobs was a chef, right? He wasn't the smartest guy in the world, just a really great chef, just kind of almost had a disdain for the way things were. and often thought that if I have an idea that's different than the way things are, I'm probably smarter than the way things are, and that's not arrogant, actually. It's that the way things are is often based on 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, the way things were done. It's often fear-based in the first place. Um, And so, you know, again, you can go too far because you always want to have your integrity come first. Steve Jobs also like kind of abandoned his child as a kid. That's a real first principles thing to do. You know, he's saying other people wouldn't do that, but I don't, I do my things my own way. Well, that was not a great thing to do. And so, um, I think that, you know, you you can go too far. You want to also have that, like, you know, it has to be below your integrity, as I said. But anyway, back to the Fountainhead. So the Fountainhead, which is very controversial and it's the book is less controversial than, it's just, it's polarizing, but she's very polarizing. And for, you know, for reasons we don't have to get into, it's I, it's it's another whole topic, but, uh, and I haven't read Atlas Shred, Shrugged, which is, is her other book, Atlas Shrugged, it's um, even more controversial. I just read this one book, but I loved it, and I loved it because I also thought it was a great story. I was, um, 25, and I loved it because, um it's when I started to realize what it was. First, I was like, these characters are ridiculous. They, these aren't like real people. There's two main characters. in the, Well, there's a few characters and they actually all are important, but the two main characters in the book, you've got Peter Keating and Howard Roark. And these are the same age guys' architects. They're in school together. And what I started to realize is that these are both... Well, I'll get into what I realized later. So let me just tell you about them. So Peter Keating is... The golden boy, you know, he's the star athlete in the school. He gets all the ladies. He gets straight A's. He's their class speaker. Um, top job. Then he gets a top job right out of school. And, um, and then he climbs up in that job. You know, he's political. He, he quickly manipulates to get to the top. And then there's Howard Work, who um, his, he, the school hated him. But his, his certain professors loved him. They said he's the best student I've ever had. But other stu- uh, the other ones, you know, the, 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 the ones that were just math raw math. Yeah. Exactly. It was math. The, pe- the, 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 the raw kind of core skills professors loved him because he was amazing at it. The ones who hated him were design, you know, who said this is, you know, you, we, we, the assignment was to design a renaissance building and whatever it was. and um, And he just did this. what is this appalling thing he did, which is this modern-looking thing? And and so he ended up failing out. And he didn't care, because he was there to learn, and he learned what he needed to learn. And then he wanted to go and get mentored by somebody he wanted to get mentored by, who he respected. And then he wanted to start making stuff, right? So it's not necessarily a lesson on career paths. I don't think getting a top job is a bad move, uh, necessarily. But it's about the way they were thinking. So one core little... um, There's a really nice little uh little anecdote from the book where there's there's I think that yeah, this goes back to right so the, I think the professor the, the, the design professor has or maybe he was the head of the school has Rourke in the office to talk about this problem and he says, you know, this is a Renaissance building, why would you do this way? Renaissance buildings, you know, a beautiful or, or you know he's they, saying that a beautiful building today in the Renaissance style has these moldings, these these, these gargoyle moldings or whatever it was, right? And then work says those moldings are only there because back when they were designing like this, they had to cover up like the the corners or the pipes or whatever it was. And there was no other way to cover it up. It was a practical need. We, We now have a much better way to do that. There's no pipes there. There's no, why would we cover it up with old moldings? We don't need to do that. And the, the, the professor was all worked up and said, that's that's just how it's done, right? So it's a, it's an interesting example of making me think about what are the moldings in the world that I'm in now, where it's it's the way things, you know, for example, one item is, you know, one thing I tr- think I've done well with um, in my, in, in, is a chef, because you know, it's hard. I'm a cook a lot of the time, but I've, I'm trying to point, think about ways my I've cheese. been a chef to tap into that side of me <laughs> in other areas. You know, one area is I, um I'm a, I've always been a chef traveler. I like. Went to North Korea. You're not supposed to do that. I went to Iraq recently. I not just to be, no, not just to do it. I think these places are interesting. I've been to many others, and I'm not going to exclude places that are interesting because people tell me they're dangerous. If, if my reasoning tells me that it's not going to be dangerous, which takes some homework, okay. you can be stupid and go to dangerous places. But Kurdish Iraq and North Korea with a guide is not dangerous, and I did enough homework to know that. Um. So. Uh, did you send- so that's an area where I'm just, I'm very good at when when, when someone says, though oh, you can't go there, I say, you're probably wrong. You probably have little experience with this. Conventional wisdom's probably wrong. Let me do some reasoning, right? If I could just be like that everywhere, I'd be the king of the world. But I'm not, you know, most of the time, I listen to the thing, like we all do. I listen to that conventional wisdom and says, well, you can't do that or you shouldn't do this. So I try to say, what is it about me as a traveler that has this Steve Jobs-like was, like, like attitude towards it? That enables me to see all this great stuff and, and go to these cool places that other people are deprived of for no reason, and I try to tap into that. And so with my writing, one area where I've done it, but I'm always struggling with this as a writer. So it's like I don't want to, you know, claim no, to a uh, figure. I want you to trumpet a little bit here because I, I think really highly of your work. So let's hear it. what's Well, that? what I was yeah. going to say is the uh, doing long articles was very much conventional wisdom. Said you have to do short articles, right? But I think. To me, that felt a little like one of these moldings on a Renaissance building where, well, that's because articles originated in print. And you can't take up the whole magazine with an article, first of all. Secondly, um, magazines had to sell to enough of people to make it worthy. So they had to sell to a mass audience. And the mass audience is probably overall going to prefer, you know, short, snappy things. They're not going to want to dig deep on average. So as a blogger, there's no limit with pages. And you can cater to 1% of people who happen to really like to dig deep. And those people are really going to appreciate that you went long because every other article Can't about this long thing stuff is short. Mm-hmm. And this is almost like a mini book. And it's for people who don't want to read a full book. But they don't want to read a blog post. And it's kind of, okay, invent your new category, right? It's like the iPad in between the phone and the, the computer. Um, and so. Blue ocean. Yes. So that's an area where, and, and by the way, a lot of times you're going to be wrong. There's going to be a molding that was there for a good reason. Uh, You'll do long articles and no one will read them or people will get bogged out. And by the way, I'm still toiling with whether too long is too long. So I think actually shorter would be better. Not totally short, though. Like New Yorker length, maybe. Seth Godin has a – because the opposite way is 100-word posts. Exactly. Even less. Sometimes it's like, you know, (laughs) 15-word posts. And I think about them for 10 years, you know. So um, (laughs) find your – I can like – Take your gargoyles off your – Pillars in your life. Or, in your or own just life. look at look mm-hmm. at when you're considering what how to how to do something, how to create what you create, how to strategize in your job, how to pick your job, how to you know how to surprise your your boyfriend or girlfriend on their birthday. Like, stop for a second and think about your first. Look at the easiest thing is going to be to photocopy what's already been done. It's just, that's already there. Someone else has already done the work. So it's gonna be the, the first in, the first thing you come up with is gonna be almost always derivative. The first ideas I have for blog posts are almost always derivative of something I read. I'm copying Seth Godin, I'm copying someone else. And it, then it takes, and then you have to decide now, is this worth the opportunity cost to go further? Again, when I when I pick out clothing, I intentionally conform. I'm not gonna try to express my individuality with clothing because it's not somewhere I choose to. Some people, I think it's great that they do, I don't. So I will, spend no time picking out. We'll go into the J. Crew and pick out a bunch of normal looking things um, and I'll wear them, right? But then other times when it comes to something like writing, I will then go through the toil to just get, dig deep and, and I, I will basically try to create something original by going deep into myself. So if I'm trying to write about why we care so much what other people think of us, right? I'm not going to just think about the obvious things. I'm going to dig deep into the experience that I have when I am... Super self-conscious about what other people are going to think, or when yeah. I'm when I'm craving praise. What is going on there? And then I'll, if I dig deep enough, I'll find a little kind of original take on it. That's my own, you know, little lens. Everyone has their own little lens. So then, I, oh, if I can describe that lens, there's a lot of other people that happen to think the same yeah. way. And then you will end up um, having done something that um, that isn't like everything else that's out there, right? So, uh, so I think. So the so so the, the, this Renaissance column, you know, is it just one example? There's a lot in the book, yeah. And 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 the, the what I realized later is that these aren't meant to be. Howard Work is actually not a very likable guy. He's really extreme as a character, and he's too you know he's he's so you know too cool for school with everything, and so he's actually a lot of people think he's annoying, and that's fair. Um, and Keating people sometimes people feel bad for you know he's but he also you know you can you can see he's so flawed in so many ways, and I think what the idea is that both of these are meant to be one dimensional representations mm. of the perfect cook and the perfect chef in my mind this is I think what she's doing yeah and all of, both of these characters are in all of our heads, and so you want to channel your inner work at certain times, not you know just let your Keating take over because that's what society is ask is telling you to do is just be a Keating is to try to find that inner work who who What has intense, intense integrity and intense confidence in in your own core ability to reason and and make a decision without the help of conventional wisdom um, that really fits the decision, that really fits, you know, really seems correct based on your reasoning and then actually act on it and run with it. And I think that that's super important to be able to do.